0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside ND Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Eric Hansen. Together, we cover Notre Dame football recruiting and more for InsideNDSports.com on the Rivals Network. Spring football is over at Notre Dame, and the Irish are hot on the recruiting trail. As we're recording this podcast Tuesday afternoon, the Irish have landed their sixth commitment in 12 days with four-star wide receiver Micah Gilbert joining ND's third-ranked 2024 class. Notre Dame's also been dealing with a wave of transfer portal defections since the Blue Gold game with quarterback Tyler Buckner, linebacker Prince Colley, and running back Logan Diggs exiting the program. Now we'll see what kind of additions Notre Dame can make through the portal to maybe replace those guys. And with those topics in mind, we wanted to pick the brain of Rivals National Recruiting Director Adam Gorney. Adam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course, guys. Adam, let's, let's start on the transfer portal front. How did sort of the number and caliber of entries in this April portal window match up to your expectations?
1: Yeah, it was actually a little surprising that it was so busy, but that's probably just my naivete on, on the topic and just trying to figure it out through this whole first year. Once spring game, once spring practice, and then especially spring games happened, um, you knew that it was going to be really, really busy guys felt that they were third string and not moving up guys were unhappy with their positioning, coaching changes. They had a spring full of coaching changes that didn't click. And so now with this outlet to just jump right in there and, and go somewhere else so quickly um, it was pretty busy. There was nothing like that first window, but it has been incredibly busy again. Um, I rank all of the transfer portal guys for, for rivals and about every third day, I'm getting about 90 new guys to rank. So <laughs> it, it has been very busy. We'll continue to be busy. Obviously, we'll slow down now that spring games are essentially over um, with Oregon this past weekend. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm sure it'll pick right up pretty soon.
2: OK, Adam, uh, as far as the transfer portal Jonas gray, a former Notre Dame running back tweeted this the other night and you probably saw it where he said, you know, I wasn't playing early in my career. I wondered if the rules have been different. If I would have jumped in, I'm really glad I didn't. Um, do you think the newness of it is helping foster these huge numbers? Do you think there will be some self-correction at some point where, or maybe guys, aren't as quick to jump in or, or is this our new normal?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, the the two or three classes behind this whole first class is going to see just how well it worked for some and how poorly it worked for others. I mean, if you look at the transfer portal and there are t- the tremendous success stories there. Um, but Caleb Williams was going to be good at Oklahoma or if he transferred to USC, you know, Spencer Rattler did get a second chance at South Carolina he probably wouldn't have been the starter at Oklahoma anymore. And, um, you know, I think there, there are just a lot of factors that play into this. A lot of guys are going to jump around and not find success anywhere. um, And, and, and just keep kind of doing this. I can tell you for sure that NFL teams are looking at this and saying, wait a second, if you're not starting from day one, you're in the portal the next day. And now you know, what does that mean for you? Um, I think that's going to be an issue with this as well. Uh, Are you going to literally leave, you know, Notre Dame uh, for an opportunity somewhere else, uh, turn down that degree? Stanford, are you going to leave Stanford for an opportunity somewhere else and turn down that degree? Those are the issues that people are facing now. But as you look, you know, at the transfer portal, as it stands right now, the number one player in our, in our transfer portal rankings um, has been at two schools already and hasn't even played a full football season. Travis Hunter, you know, we'll see how he does at Colorado. It's, it's still Colorado. How, how good are they going to be? Aaron Anderson is a kid that, you know, went to Alabama over LSU, got hurt, and now transferred back to LSU. Mayor mm-hmm. Alexander was a guy at Georgia who was starting to have some success could be, you know, you know, defensive tackles at Georgia have been picked in the first round in at least the last two drafts, he transfers to USC. So there are guys that, um, you know, have kind of worn out their welcome or just had no traction going and needed a fresh start. And then there are guys who are just like, you know, maybe I'll take the money elsewhere instead of uh, staying in a place. And then I think, like Jonas said, he's happy he stayed. Um, You know, he didn't have a, you know, A pro career out of it. A lot of these guys moving around or trying to have, you know, the the next step to a pro career. Some will and some won't. I don't know if if they're, you know, even in life, you 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 know the the saying like just moving somewhere else doesn't mean you're still not going to have problems. You know, so you're still going to have issues wherever you transfer of other players better than you or a coach that you don't like, and so you know, just leaving for a new fresh start isn't always the answer
0: one particularly interesting exit for, for Notre Dame was Tyler Buckner, the quarterback. And uh, I think even more interesting was his decision to, to go to Alabama. What are your thoughts on him sort of taking on that challenge and, and his potential to maybe be the eventual starter at Alabama?
1: Yeah, my, my feeling on this, and this is something, you know, this, that, that speaks to recruiting, recruiting rankings, how high school stats shouldn't play and be, be the be all end all of all rankings. You know, when he was in high school, he was a very talented kid, but he played against nobody's like, honestly, some of the worst competition you could find maybe in the country. And so he racked up stats and this kid is very talented, but going to Notre Dame, you know, is a different ball game. Um, and then, you know, we saw what he did there. He he flashed. Sometimes he looked terrible sometimes. I mean, I think that's probably fair to say, and this isn't coming from a Notre Dame fan. So, you know, there was, there was that moment where you're like, man, Tyler Buckner is really talented kid. And then that moment was like, my God, why did he do that? You know, that was kind of (laughs) the feeling as you were watching Tyler Buckner on the football field there. (laughs) Now you're taking that and moving him into the elite of the elite Where a national, it's either national championship or bust. And, okay, I mean, I think more than anything, it speaks to um, his comfort level with Tommy Reese. I think that's one of the things. But it also speaks to Alabama's desperation for a quarterback. You know, there were a lot of rumors that they were trying to get Drake May uh, in the offseason. There were a lot of rumors that they were going after tons of guys in the transfer portal um, that they that they ended up not getting. They took, uh, you know, two quarterbacks last recruiting cycle. Maybe Jalen Milrow is the guy. It doesn't seem like that. He was you know, Saban was really thrilled with him or Holstein during the spring. So they go and get Buckner. He has a connection to Tommy Reese, but this is certainly not a situation where I think Tyler Buckner is guaranteed to be Alabama's starting quarterback next year.
2: Interesting. I know when we talked in the fall, um, ahead of the um, early window, the the thought, there were a lot of stories out there about guys getting offered that a lot of these transfers were NIL driven, and you heard a lot of big numbers, both accepted and being turned down like Zay Flowers. I haven't heard that as much with this cycle, this spring cycle, but maybe it's because of where we are. Is that still a constant? Is are a lot of these transfers NIL driven?
1: Yeah. My sense is that no, this second cycle are guys that were, you know, either just kind of late to the first cycle or were waiting for the spring to play out and then see where they stood. So I don't think Tyler Buckner left for some huge NIL deal at Alabama. I mean, it's possible that he's getting money, um, but I think a lot of these guys, more than anything, more than chasing NIL, this second group of kids um, that is transferred out is kind of, uh, kind of saw the writing on the wall. It wasn't working. Um, you know, Casey Thompson, you know, started at Texas, went to Nebraska. Um, a new staff comes in there, they bring in Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. He saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be the starter there anymore. Peyton Thorne at Michigan State's a very interesting one. Um, he and his top wide receiver go into the portal. Now, is that because of money? Probably not. Mel Tucker probably, you know, and he and Keon Coleman had some sort of issue uh, to move on from there. The, got, the the names aren't as big. The rankings aren't as big. Um, you know, I think Lorenzo Styles is an interesting one that obviously – Um, plays a factor at notre dame uh you know that that is sort of one of the bigger ones uh that that you say was he just unhappy that he was moving to defense was he did he this was his heart somewhere else what was going on there um but but my sense is that that first group and especially some of the guys that actually went back to their first schools um were nil deals i'm i'm almost certain jordan addison was an NIL deal to leave Pitt to go to USC. And that's part of recruiting now is like, okay, who's playing well? What do we need? And what kind of money do we have to put together for these, for us to get these guys there? Um, This second group is probably guys that were like, let's give it three more months, you know, talking to dad at home, talking to your handlers at home, talking to your old high school coach. Let's give it three more months. If it doesn't work out, we have that window. If it does work out, we can stay.
0: Yeah, one, one thing I've learned in covering both the r- recruiting and portal is that, um, at least from guys that we've covered, it seems like there's more secrecy with portal activity because I think people don't want either the attention to be there, the NIL numbers to be to be driven up, because I think it, the more uh, teams that get involved, um, the the higher the price may get for certain guys that you think you might be able to get a guy in, and then all of a sudden there's another school that – that learns about this portal kid that, that may be headed somewhere else and, and gets a big offer from someone else?
1: Yeah, my experience with NIL has has still been, you know, everyone knows it's legal, um, but everyone still acts like they don't want to talk about it. It's like, you know, when marijuana becomes legal in a state, everyone is still like, if I go in the store and buy it, not me, of course, not me, but if, if if I go in the store and buy it, is this like actually legal? Like when you can start betting on your phone, you're like, is this, is this right? And yeah. so I think a lot of guys, one, one that it's like, there's this reputational value thing. Like, I don't want to be the guy that just went to a school because of NIL. I, I went there for other reasons, but certainly NIL played a factor in a lot of decisions, Um, and it, it played a factor in a lot of meetings with coaches where guys have, I I know for a fact, guys have sat down with coaches and said, this is what I'm getting from this school. If you can match it or beat it, I will come to your school. So that happens all the time now with NIL and especially guys, you know, every school in the country has a coach or, or multiple coaches now who whose entire job uh, you know one of their biggest recruiting the parts of their recruiting job is to sit in the portal and see who comes in and say all right we need a wide receiver or we need a quarterback or we need two defensive backs who's in there how do we get them and it 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 benefits them in no way to make that public knowledge that they're recruiting that guy it only helps to keep it private. So everybody else doesn't, if Notre Dame is coming after two offensive linemen, we all know Notre Dame's offensive line success. There might be 10 more schools that just start recruiting that guy in the portal just because Notre Dame's doing it. So you get all of that stuff all playing together at one time. And that's why the guy who has to manage roster numbers. And I get asked about, Oh, how are they going to get down to this number or up to that number? It is incredible the juggling that they do, but at, at the end of the day, they get to that number.
2: Adam, Notre Dame pretty much in every sport has two types of portal guys they can go after. They can easily go after the grad transfers Mm -hmm. and they, in a lot of instances, can take somebody after their freshman season. As you get deeper into your academic career, because Notre Dame wants more of those credits being Notre Dame credits for that degree, it's a hard no. Can Notre Dame is there enough quality in those two classes, those two kind of transfers that Notre Dame could survive without finding a happy medium with that, those other classes?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. But it it, it also means um, that high school recruiting and evaluation is so much more important and valuable. Um, you're not, Notre Dame is never going to be Colorado where the new coach comes in and says, get out. You know, that's just (laughs) not going to happen. And then, and then, you know, more than 40 players from the roster are turned over in one year. And the team is believed to be far better next year than they (laughs) were the year before, you know, Notre Dame is not going to be Arizona state, which comes in and essentially hardly recruits high school guys for the 23 class because they know they're going portal for everybody and so that makes quarterback recruiting challenging in the sense of I either need to develop this guy or I'm a little screwed in terms of the numbers and who I can get. Now, that being said, there will always be the Sam Hartmans out there that will come in you know, one year and do really, really well and you'll have a lot of success and the, it'll be a tremendous upgrade. So I do think in terms of grad transfers and guys After the first year, if those if those are basically your two windows of opportunity because of academic requirements and because Notre Dame and Duke and Stanford, even like a school like UCLA has a lot of requirements in terms of, uh, you know, like you said, Notre Dame classes and 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 all of those kinds of things. It is certainly possible to do it that way. It just means you have to be very laser targeted on the on the prospects that you're going after.
0: Adam in Notre Dame's recent recruiting streak here, Kennedy Erlacher is someone that falls into your area of expertise. What do you, what do you think that Notre Dame got there? And he's, is he the type of player that's worth, I I know we have him as a three-star, but is he the type of player worth, worth taking a shot on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he is someone that I, you know, I want to see one more time, maybe twice. Um, but he is—he's certainly in that four-star consideration for for a number of reasons. Um, for for anybody that doesn't know, he is yes, he is Brian Urlacher's son. Uh, Brian, bro, I saw Kennedy Urlacher played uh, – Chandler played in San Diego last year. I was at that game, and Brian was there. Still looks like he lifts a lot of weights. Uh, <laughs> definitely got the 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 neck thing going. He could still have that neck roll uh, uh, going. So. Uh, in terms of Kennedy, though, he is a hard hitter. He likes to go after people. He's a physical kid, definitely smart. Uh, and what I said um, is he's opportunistic. Like the ball's on the ground, he's going to pick it up. The he, he sees a little out route, he's going to break on it. He's going to knock that pass away. A guy's coming across the middle, he's not going to get there early. He's going to get there on time and make the hit. Like he's just always sort of in the right place at the right time. I give him. I give. Himself, I give him credit for that. It's not luck, it's you know, kind of knowing the game and studying it and those kinds of things. Where I have a question is can he turn and run in the open field and close on receivers down the sideline? Um, is he physical enough? You know, when people are coming across the middle, or is he going to bounce off people or is he going to knock them down and put the fear of God into people? I think the speed factor is my only question. That's why I want to see him in his senior year. But in terms of a guy who's really smart and really opportunistic, I love the kid.
2: I know that you haven't probably followed Steve Angeli's development at Notre Dame, but just looking at Angeli and Kenny Minchie, if you're Marcus Freeman and Buckner and Piner out the door, so you have Hartman, Angeli, and Minchie, would you be comfortable going into the 2023 season with just those three?
1: Uh, yes, but I would make sure that Sam Hartman got the ball out very quickly um, <laughs> or handed it off. Uh, that's that's how I would feel about that. Minchie, you know, in his high school career has been uh, injured at times. But when he's on the field, he's a big he's a you know a stocky kid. He could take hits. And he's and at Elite 11 last year. You know, he really zinged it around and, and was really special. I thought, you know, he was a guy at that time was committed to pit. And I had, you know, heard from a bunch of pit fans. I'm a Northeast Pennsylvania guy. So Western Pennsylvania is, you know, whatever to me, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he, uh, he was definitely a kid who I thought we had under mm-hmm. um and, 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 was really, really impressive there. So I would not be surprised if he was sort of first, first in line after Hartman, Um, But like I said, I I would make sure that Sam Hartman was upright a whole lot, didn't take a lot of hits um, because there's going to be an adjustment period period for any quarterback at that level. Um, And I and I do think that there is significant drop off from uh, from Hartman to either of those other two guys.
2: Just following up on that, you know, CJ Carr looks like he's put on some weight. He's looked pretty good in these seven on seven things. I'm wondering where you think his development is in terms of at least being in the two deeps, maybe in 2024.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he was, I mean, at least, at least that. And, you know, as that recruitment played out, it was really interesting. And it was, I remember it was sort of last summer. I want to say June um, when, when it looked like Dante Moore was going to commit to Notre Dame. I mean, it it looked like he was going to be the guy. And then CJ Carr. They take his commitment and I don't know if they were sort of balancing that and saying, all right, Dante, we'll take you in 23 and CJ in 24, just like every other elite program does across the country um, and bring you guys in, but they took Carr's commitment. Uh, It turned Dante more off, but it, but it was almost a statement that like, we really love CJ Carr and we don't, we would rather not, we would rather risk it with Dante more and get CJ Carr Um, I talked to his he's playing with a team called California power a lot this Mm -hmm. this offseason I talked to his coach and they, they said you know he's great he's he's one he's a great kid Two, he's not all about the flash and wearing seven pairs of sunglasses and goggles and everything for social media he's just wants to throw the football hit receivers in the hands and score touchdowns and so that's what he does that's what he's that and that's what he's going to be he's not going to be the flashy guy. And I think that's going to speak well to Notre Dame fans. Um, he's not going to be the flashy playmaker type guy. He's going to be a guy who gets the ball, the receivers all over the field. And so I think that's what you're going to need. And I think that's what you're going to get out of him. Um, he is definitely under five-star consideration for people don't know. That's not just a good college quarterback. We're, we're, we're projecting to the first round of the NFL draft. Um, so we, we definitely think he's up there. If not, he's going to be, you know, remaining a high four-star kid um, because he's just a really quality, talented football player. Adam, speaking of guys that can catch passes from CJ Carr,
0: Notre Dame is still looking to potentially maybe add a fourth wide receiver in the class and one person that they've had a lot of traction with so far is Jason Robinson uh, from Long Beach Poly, former
1: USC commit. What What sort of talent is Jason Robinson? So he is definitely an interesting guy because he, he put up nice stats. He, so did his brother, who's like a, a pretty small receiver, but very talented. Um, you know, obviously at a program that has a lot of elite players have, have come out of it. Jason Robinson um, is not ever going to be this huge, bulky outside receiver that Notre Dame fans have come to know and love over the years. Um, he is much more of a he can play outside, um, but he's just more quick twitch, more explosive. Um, he definitely needs to get bigger, uh, just, just heavier. Uh, so corners can't just kind of drive him into the sideline a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he has the ball in his hands, he's tough to bring down. He's a guy that kind of from the slot, you can, you know, get into the open field. Um, that kind of guy is Jason Robinson uh, was committed to USC USC sort of refreshed. I, that's the word I think I want to use. We kind of refreshed their recruiting class. Um, kind of wanted to look at everybody that wasn't a Lincoln Riley commit and was a Clay Helton commit. He was one of those guys. Um, he certainly wasn't dumped, but it was uh, it was like a refresh of their class. And so, uh, you know, he he's kind of looked at schools all across the country, but Notre Dame is going to be one of them. A guy with a lot of speed and playmaking ability.
2: Adam, when we talked to you last, you were getting ready to – have your another look at Brennan Vernon in the um, all-star setting I'm doing a story this week on guys that possibly could help Notre Dame that are enrolling in June and and Brennan is in that group and I'm wondering what did you learn from that all-star setting that would make you feel he's either plug and play ready to uh, compete for a two deep spot or maybe not so much
1: yeah so Brandon Vernon's a really interesting guy and he is easily one of the best looking kids in the entire 2023 class. Like he is a phenomenal looking kid. He's all of six, five, he's all of 260 pounds, no bad weight. um, You know, twitched up looking, he looks, he looks like Joey Bosa in person, maybe not as bulky, Um, but he's going to get there when we saw him in San Antonio and I would be interested to see how he performs at Notre Dame practice. He either won the rep easily, like blew by the offensive lineman or once offensive tackles got their hands on him, he had no second move and just stopped. So it'll be interesting to see if like, that was just some sort of weird adjustment to national competition And a lot of times, and and to be completely honest, a lot of times guys from the Midwest who end up being first round draft picks go there and they've dominated so easily in high school. And now they're going up against some badass kids from the Southeast (laughs) and Texas. And they don't know what to do with themselves when they don't win every single rep. And so maybe it's something that he needs to be taught a counter move, a second move, continuing to kind of battle. It's not, I don't think it's a motor issue because he can get going. Um, It was just really like, Oh my God, someone is stopping me. I don't know what to do with myself. And I think that will need to be taught into him when he gets to Notre Dame.
2: Well, he will, he will get a great opportunity with either Joe Alder, Blake Fisher, Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes. Oh, I do <laughs> yes, I think that will be the best thing for him is going up against Joe Alt, who's you know definitely a you know a first round level NFL draft pick, and Blake Fisher, who's developing into one. Is to go up against these guys, and then after practice, be like, what do I need to do to get better? How do I get better in that sense? Because from a physical standpoint and an athletic standpoint, and just the look, he looks super elite.
0: Adam, I have one more individual person I want to ask you about, and that's Kingston Vil- Viliamu Asa, a linebacker out of California, that Notre Dame is in the top three, for, alongside USC and Ohio State. How would you handicap his recruitment, and what will the winner of his recruitment end up getting?
1: Yeah, my uh, my feeling is that Notre Dame and Ohio State lead, and then USC would be third right now. Um And it's really close. I was talking to someone close to him and they said when he was on his last visit, um, it was super helpful to talk to Marcus Freeman because he got his perspective on Ohio State from him and his perspective on Notre Dame. And Kingston was super open to listening to it. And Marcus Freeman was not disparaging of Ohio State at all. He was just offering what he, his experience at Ohio state and what his experience was at Notre Dame as the coach. And, it, and, and honestly, Kingston is someone like this and the people around him are someone like this. If Marcus Freeman sat in that, in that meeting and MF would Ohio state the entire time, it would have been a major turnoff. So it did not happen that way. Um, but it, it it's certainly an interesting perspective to have basically your top two the coach of the other one played at the other school. So I think that was super important for him. Uh, Kingston and the people around him are looking for high academics. They're very serious about it. I think that's why USC has sort of come back into this a little bit is because of USC's academic reputation as well. Plus he could stay closer to home, but he loves that. He loves the linebacker history there. The, you know, the, the Manti Teo history there. I think that definitely helps. And he's just really comfortable around the staff and being in, in South Bend. With that being said, he's also been to Columbus a whole lot. Um, he sees national championship written all over that team. He sees a, a team that can basically score at will and then get on the field and shut people down. In terms of what kind of player they're getting, I'm, I, I'm you know, obviously he's far more upset, but I, him, him hurting his knee in his sophomore year it didn't slow his progression because he's still a phenomenal player but it just didn't give him that second year you know of resume uh that that people could have seen what he can do he flies over the field he has length he's strong he's fearless and he's smart he like does everything you want from one of your inside linebackers and the linebacker next to him is Jordan Lockhart who's very very talented as well so it's not like Kingston could just kind of eat up every single play and clean up everywhere but wherever the ball is wherever there's a gap he's hitting it and he's getting people on the ground well all right adam that's all we have for you today we really appreciate you taking time
0: to talk to us and keeping us up to date on things and you're always sharing your insight with us on the insider lounge so we we appreciate that very much
1: awesome guys see you
0: all right now it's time for questions you can submit questions to us on twitter or the insider lounge message board before every podcast I'm at t James ND and Eric's at E Hansen ND. First one we have is from Maria Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie. As it turns out, neither Bama quarterback entered the transfer portal, making the fight for the starting position even tougher. Additionally, both those guys are young with multiple years, so if Tyler Buckner doesn't win the starter, he would not be the heir apparent for 2024. Risky decision at best. Do you think Tommy Reese promised him at the very least a package? So he would get some on-field playing time if he didn't win the starting job. And since it is unlikely Notre Dame was going to do that, it could have had some influence on his decision. I don't think um, Tommy Reese
2: promised Buckner anything but a chance to compete and be the starter, a chance to be the starter, and his belief in him. I think that's all he could reasonably guarantee, because otherwise it would be could be a check that, he couldn't cash. Right. Uh, You know, Tommy Reese doesn't have the autonomy in that program that he enjoyed at Notre Dame. And even then, you know, I think at least this version of Marcus Freeman in his second year would, would have more of a say in, in the quarterback situation. Our um, colleague at Tide Illustrated, Tony Sokolis, he projects Jalen Milrow as the eventual starter and he's not alone now that doesn't mean he's pushing his chips in the middle of the table it's just who he thinks eventually will start when you look at those guys coming out of high school they were in the same class milro was the higher ranked of the two and when you're talking about putting together a package you're usually looking for a contrasting skill set right um you know milro was probably a better runner than buckner when buckner was at Notre Dame um until Kenny Minchie got here there really weren't runner you know anybody in his class as far as being a running quarterback and I'm not sure that Kenny even is in that class at Alabama there are people that fit that skill set especially if it's Milro. then what is the differentiation what's the purpose of having a package for Tyler Buckner so um I, I think, you know, that's where that stands. You know, Tyler can speak for himself, but Tyler has tweeted and written that he feels like Tyler bet on himself by going to Alabama. I think you could make a case for him that had he come back to Notre Dame, he he would have also been betting on himself, but a different way where he would have had to wait a year for, for that bet to pay off.
0: Yeah, and... The waiting and the like I he, it's almost impossible for him to have as much faith in Gino Gadulli as he has in Tommy Reese. I mean, Tommy Reese Correct. has been been going to bat for for Tyler Buckner since he was a sophomore in high school. Um, so I think that probably played a big influence in his decision. It's like, well, yes, I can wait, um and maybe I have to wait at Alabama, too. But who says Gino Gadulli is going to be in love with me next year if he wasn't in love with me this this year? Now, Gino Gadulli was saying all the right things and had had good things to say about Tyler Buckner this spring. Um, but I, I don't know if if he had a different opinion than that. I don't think he would have shared it publicly uh, given the situation. Um, I, from my perspective, if if folks around Alabama think Jalen Milrow is the, the most likely to be the starter, that makes it more likely that Tyler Buckner could be the starter. Like, why is there any reason that he can't beat out Jalen Milrow? I I think Ty Simpson was the one that I think people thought would blow people away and didn't. And his sort of maybe the has underwhelming as he's been is sort of open this opportunity up for someone like Tyler Buckner. If that's possible, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, So it's, it's, it's definitely a risk. It's a gamble. Um, Like I said, I think he's betting on himself. I think it's sort of like what Tommy Reese did. It's like, hey, I want to. Um, this could this could end up going up in flames, <laughs> um, but it also could could take me to maybe higher higher a higher level as well. So, um, I think one of the interesting things about it is Alabama traditionally has better wide receiver talent um, around their quarterback, and I'm not sure that that's. Over as overwhelmingly so anymore. If you compare Notre Dame and Alabama, now obviously Alabama can probably fix that faster than Notre Dame can in, in many cases. But last year, that was one thing that sort of held held Alabama back. All right. Next question is from at Mike Devoy one. Logan Diggs jumping into the portal was quite a surprise. Any insights on what was behind his move? How confident are you in the abilities of Payne and Price to fill that running back? 1B role. We don't want to wear estimate out with 30 carries a game.
2: Well, it was a surprise for me because of the timing of it and the evolution of Logan Diggs. Logan Diggs has had his eye on transferring right even before he signed with Notre Dame. I mean, he was wrestling with his decision right up until the signing day. He was wrestling at beyond signing day. It was a constant last off season. My surprise about it happening now is that, you know, a lot of guys like that, they get halfway through their career and they they kind of get that out of their system. And when I had a chance to talk to him the other day during spring practice, that's the vibe that I got from Logan was that, you know, school was still hard. Distance was still hard, uh, but, you know, I've got the support system, the culture around me to support me. And then all of a sudden he was in the portal. Um, So, you know, maybe the footsteps behind him spooked him a little bit. Um, I think if they're all healthy, pain price and love will be, will fill in fine. I think Diggs is a loss. I mean, he's, Mm -hmm. he's got savvy. He's got fearlessness. He's got experience that those guys don't have but I do think there's a lot of talent in that group. So uh, I think as long as there's not another injury in the running back core, that Notre Dame will be pretty, pretty darn good at running back.
0: Yeah. I think that um, there's a, there's a a certainty that you have with Logan Diggs on the roster of like what he can give you that, that you won't have without him. um, And that, that will be missing from this running back group. Now, if, Jadarian Price proves to be healthy. um, That's someone that Dylan McCullough likes a lot and uh, he uh, Jadarian Price impressed a lot. So um, I think that he has a really high ceiling if he can get back to it. And uh, and it's Jabron Payne had a healthy spring, but he's he's someone that has had a extensive uh, injury history in his high school career. um, And I think was a little bit banged up last year as well. So, it's a it's a little bit risky to be sort of betting on those two guys, and I don't think Notre Dame intended on that to be the case. Um, but now they sort of have to with Logan Diggs gone. I think you still I think you can still keep Chris Tyree out at at receiver, but be be but I think you have to be more prepared to move him back if 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 necessary. And hopefully Jeremiah Love can sort of get get to Notre Dame and be be ready to go. I I I haven't spoke to Logan Diggs about his decision to go. I one of my theories is that some of his classmates and teammates that he likes a lot have, have left as well. Um, So when Lorenzo styles decides to leave and Tyler Buckner decides to leave, it's, I think it sort of maybe influences a little bit. It's like, why don't, why don't I do the same? I don't know what, why you don't, you don't feel as tied down to a place when, when some of your buddies leave. Um, And like we, like Eric said, it's been something that has been on his mind pretty much since, uh, before he even got to Notre Dame in the first place. So um, it, it can never be qualified in my perspective. Like it's a, it's a true surprise because it's always been something that was possible for Logan Diggs. All right. Next question is from at drew Brennan, 77, three years from now, rank in order who will have the best college career, Prince Cali, Lorenzo styles, Tyler Buckner, and Logan Diggs.
2: Great question. If we had fabulous prizes, this would be one of the questions (laughs) that got the fabulous prizes. Um, I'm not sure that 2023 is going to give us the best indication. And that's why you say three years from now, Mm -hmm. Buckner may have to transfer a second time. Uh, We'll see if that happens, but just based on today, how I think this will go, I'm going number one styles, two Buckner, three digs four
0: Colley. Hmm. Um, I have one digs, two styles, three Colley, four Buckner. So we have quite a bit of variance there. And I, and I, I think you can make a pretty good case for sort of any order. I think all of those guys yeah. have a lot of potential. Um. I think it's it certainly. Some
2: of it depends on opportunity. Too. Yeah.
0: Opportunity where you go, where you fit, how you fit in that, in that spot. I think, I think that's why I put Buckner towards the bottom because I think there's a high there's a high variance of what, what could happen from here on out from his career. Like he could be, he could be amazing at Alabama and be putting in a, putting a great system and have tremendous success because obviously plenty of quarterbacks have done that at Alabama, but he could also be stuck as the backup. And then, like you said, transfer again. And who knows once you're transferring a second time, I mean, you could be, you're in like the Phil Dracovic category of like, well, yeah, there's a lot of talent and potential there, but like, where where are you at in the long run? Wherever um,
2: Tommy Reese goes, just kidding.
0: I I think Diggs Diggs is like the is the is to me the safest bet to have the best career. Like I know what Logan Diggs is already. I think so. That's why I kept him number one. Um, the only
2: reason I didn't put him higher was because I think if he goes to LSU, he could have the potential to get lost there with other great athletes. Sure. Um just from a talent standpoint, we'll see. If he he's not for sure going to LSU, but that's right where I think he would like to go.
0: Yeah. And then I went sort of back and forth between Styles and Cali at two and three. I, I I was I was really high on both of those guys coming out of out of high school. Um and I've I'm surprising how little Prince Collie's been able to to play. And so is that just a matter of needing a clear path to the field somewhere else and he can fully realize that Lorenzo styles. I, I don't know. I, I really just like his talent and I, he feels like the kind of guy I want to bet on, even though like everything about last season would make me want to say no, but right. like, I, I'm I was,
2: betting on him as a cornerback. I want to be clear, not
0: as a wide yeah, receiver for sure. Um, But I, I even just that, like I would have liked to see him sort of get through his struggles as a receiver in a better way than he did last season. I don't think he necessarily showed the best version of himself in terms of fighting through that adversity. Although he felt like this spring that he that he had gotten through that. All
2: right, next. I think some of these guys with transfers. I mean, some of it is who's in your ear, you know. Sure. Certainly, I think. um, Lorenzo's parents were supportive of a transfer and that was kind of evident on Twitter but for example a, cu- a couple of different ones um guys that were really good players at Notre Dame that considered transferring Louis Nixon and Stefan Tuitt Louis Nix's mom changed the locks she said you're not coming home you know if if you transfer from Notre Dame find another place to live and pretty much Stefan Tuitt's mom did the same thing was that you know, don't come back here because you can't handle, um, you know, some growth experiences. So they were not supportive of a transfer, whereas some other parents maybe even encourage a transfer. So a lot of it has to do with the people around you.
0: Yeah. And I'll give a little tease. I know something that Eric's working on. He's got some interesting uh, data about what happens when you transfer from Notre Dame in terms of the the rest of the rest of your career. All right, next question is from at Charles W. Wolf. During the last regime, there's a perception that Brian Kelly was more focused on his recruits rather than Charlie Weiss' holdovers. Are we seeing something similar today, but now there's transfer portal politics to navigate?
2: So Charles is, um, for those that don't remember and don't know, and I remember doing a big story about this because it almost came down to a mutiny. Brian Kelly in the 2011 season, which is second year there, stood up in a meeting and said, how many of you were recruited by Charlie Weiss? How many of you were recruited by me? And then he said something that was pretty disparaging to the Charlie Weiss guys. And it went over awful. And Brian had to apologize and really mend those fences. And he wasn't ever completely able to mend it with some, with others. He was able to but that was a big, bad mistake. And I'm, I'm sure Brian would be the first to admit that. Um, I don't think that Marcus has done anything of that sort. I I mean, if it, if it was, then there would be all young linebackers playing and the old ones right. would be in the transfer portal uh, and people wouldn't be carping about the older linebackers playing. So no, I, I, I don't see him drawing that line. I think he's been really good about um you know being a unifier rather than you know making the mistake that brian kelly did
0: yeah i think this is more sort of what happens all the time with coaching staff changes You're yeah there are fewer familiar faces that are around and if things aren't going your way it's sort of easier to leave um i think there was more of a delay in this case because of how likable freeman is like there was plenty of staff turnover but people sort of saw Marcus Freeman's vision and bought into him and stuck around for the first season and then and then if it doesn't go the, the way you wanted to you get in the spring you're like okay I don't really know for sure what my role is here then then you sort of look for the, the exit and so I think it took a little bit longer maybe in this case than it does some other times. sometimes maybe people just as soon as the change happens they're like all right I'm gonna look for somewhere else to go but I think there were enough guys that sort of Bought into what Marcus Freeman wanted to do, um, and we're willing to sort of give the assistant coaches and now not obviously not everyone was dealing with a new assistant coach in their own instance, but I think that that's something that um, those guys had to sort of see through and see how they felt about it, and then have now come to the decision that they want to to look elsewhere. All right, uh, next question is from Nathan Reynolds at Enforcers twenty one seventeen after losing. Lorenzo Styles and Caleb Smith. One assumes we must be a couple guys short in the wide receiver room. Do you think Notre Dame goes after Caleb Brown from Ohio State, and he offered him in 2019, or other wide receivers? Also, are there any safeties that have entered the portal that Notre Dame may have an eye on? Um, I, I don't think Andy is averse to looking at
2: somebody in the portal at wide receiver. Um, I'm not sure if Caleb Brown is – what they're looking for even though he's really really good and I don't know that Notre Dame is what Caleb Brown is looking for if he wants to play right away how far up that rotation realistically could he work himself through the summer with no injuries I mean I think the starters are pretty established that it's going to be Tyree and Tobias and Jaden Thomas with Deion Colsey, kind of the fourth receiver. And then you think, well, great house and Rico Flores look pretty darn good. You know, is Caleb Brown in a position to at least get ahead of those guys? I'm not sure. Um, And then you look at kind of how the classes are stacked. There's four freshmen right now. There's three signees, maybe four, as Tyler uh, alluded to. They could sign four. He would be ahead of them. He would be in the sophomore class. With Tobias, I'm just not sure that it makes sense for either side, even though I I like his talent. Um, as far as safeties, again, I think they're going to be pretty hush hush on it. Ideally, they'd like to find a safety in the portal who has multiple years of eligibility. You know, uh somebody that just finished their freshman year makes more sense than, and that's that's a guy that's played some than a one-year rental. I don't know that that makes as much sense because then they'd kind of be in the same situation next year. So I don't have names for you. And and even just kind of scouring who's out there, I'm not sure that there's somebody that jumps out at me as just an obvious match.
0: Yeah, there was, uh, in terms of receivers, Cody Epps from BYU had, had told on three that there was some interest from Notre Dame. Uh, he's been at school for three years, so it doesn't make a ton of sense unless he was a graduate. Um, so I'm a little bit uh, dubious of that. I think, I think Caleb Brown is worth looking into. Notre Dame doesn't really have a direct tie to him, as as Tommy Reese and Dell Alexander were more involved in his recruitment. But I, I think they'll at least look into it and kick the tires. I, I think it's worth considering if you say, well, if we do, we want to move Chris Tyree back to running back, and then we can bring Caleb Brown into the slot. And then we have Caleb Brown and and Jaden Greathouse as our slot options this season. I think that could be appealing. I don't know if it will be appealing, and like you said, I don't know if Caleb Brown sees that as appealing, and what what are their options and, and paths that he ha- that he has currently. Um, so I think it's we'll see we'll see sort of how that plays out there. Um, but all of a sudden, Notre Dame <laughs> usually doesn't have very many slot options, and now they have options that maybe would make them think twice about bringing in a slot option from a Chicago Catholic school that, that went to Ohio State and didn't see a path to, to playing time. Um, but yeah, as for safeties, yeah, I don't have any names at the moment. Um, like I alluded to in our interview with Adam Gorney, I think it's Notre Dame has, done a, a, has made a very cognizant effort to sort of keep things under wraps as much as it can for as long as it can with portal guys um and so we'll have to sort of keep an eye on that and we will share what we know when we know it on the insider lounge all right next question is from @rousseau1957 hey guys do you think notre dame will add a qb this year i still have nightmares from last year
2: um i i think it still needs to be strongly considered if you're talking about adding a transfer or not adding another um you know trying to get somebody else as a 2024 signee or whatever um so as a transfer what are you looking for so it's either a freshman or a one or two year grad transfer for me if you're going to consider that the easiest sell and the best fit is going to be a two-year grad transfer somebody that has eligibility in 2023 and 2024 because if you just bring in a rental to be sam hartman's backup that person's going to take reps away from Minchie and Angeli, And, you know, how motivated are they going to be if, you know, if the only way they get into a game is Sam Hartman gets hurt. If they, if you can sell them on the fact that they would have a chance to compete for a starting spot in 2024, then maybe you get a higher caliber of quarterback that would be less of a drop off from, um, Hartman to Angeli, uh, that, that would win you more games in that scenario. So, if there's a perfect fit with that kind of person, I wouldn't be against it. Do its due diligence and see if that makes sense for him.
0: Yeah. I, it just seems really hard to find the match that makes the most sense for Notre Dame in this, in this instance. Um, and like, of all positions that were like guys are the most fickle and want the most obvious path to what's next for them. Yeah. I think quarterback is the one it's like, there's only one of us is going to play unless there's an injury. Um, So it's just like, it's just such a hard sell. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe there, there is that right guy out there. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not holding my breath on that one. I think, um I think you sort of have to roll the dice and if Sam Hartman, Gets hurt, you're not you're not winning a national championship. So um, I think you sort of just have to sort of bite the bullet there and then go back to the portal next, next offseason if that's what you see fit. All right, next question is from Michael Kenny at Domer747. The defense has lost several key starters from a defense that improved in 2022. Based on what we saw from spring practice, do you expect the defense to reload and improve again in 2023? What are the biggest defensive strengths and concerns going into the season.
2: I think they have a chance to be better in 2023 but it's not a foregone conclusion. I think schematically the players and Al Golden are they're able to ratch up different looks, different packages, more types of pressure that can be problematic to opposing offenses. I really like the corners and the linebackers. I like the top of the safety rotation and what the defensive line showed in the springs. My concern concerns are safety depth. And then what if the defensive line progress stalls? What if what we saw the spring is the, is the ceiling and not the floor for them. Right. Um, And you know, that, that field and spot, I'm still not sold that they have a difference maker or even a better than average player there. I think they have some guys there. That's, that's the, that's the position that, um, concerns me the most,
0: yeah. i I'm not ready to buy into the suggestion that the defense will be drastically improved. Um I the one thing that I think I believe in the most is that Al golden has a better sense for what he has and what what can work with this defense. Um, do they have enough talent? i'm I'm not sure. I think I mean, last year's defense only had one one draft pick, right? who who was an early round pick, second rounder, Isaiah Foskey and he played a major role last year. So who's the early round pick this time next year from this defense? Is there one? I I don't I don't know that there is. I don't think there is. Um I, I
2: mean Cam Hart is a wild card with that. He could be undrafted. He could help himself a lot with a healthy great year, but yeah, I mean I don't see somebody else where you say, "Boy, that's somebody that has a chance to go." on day one or day two. I mean, maybe Riley mills, if
0: he just explodes, right. Does what we thought he would two years ago, but he hasn't. So it's like, well, okay, are we really going to buy into that? Um, I mean, Benjamin Morrison could probably play to that level, Um, but he won't be draft. Right. But he won't be draft eligible. Um, But even then, like, one cornerback can't make a defense, you know. Like you can yeah. avoid one cornerback. Um, not not that not that I think that that's what Notre Dame's defense is, but even if he was great, he still needs to have a lot of great players around him. Um, so I do think the cornerback position is a strength, I think the linebacker position is a strength. Defensive end, I think, is somewhere in the middle there. I'm not I'm not sold. They're not quite a concern because I do like what has happened at the Viper position. I think they'll be at least okay at the field end spot. Um my biggest concerns are the safety, depth, um, and even and depth, maybe even with the number two safety, <laughs> like uh like I'm confident in Xavier Watts. After that, it's like uh okay, we'll see what else we got here. Um and then defensive tackle. I like I like Howard Cross. How high is his ceiling? I don't know. Riley Mills, we always like we just like you said, he has this sort of speculative ceiling that we've always thought he would get to closer to but he hasn't really done that yet does he finally reach that as a defensive tackle this year maybe maybe we get there at the that we saw some maybe some signs of life from the d- defensive tackle depth this spring but how real is that um going into the season so i think those are the things that i'm probably the most concerned about going into the season at, uh, with regards to the defense Next question is from N.D. Fan in an Unholy Land at Elkman1966. Do you have any idea why Javante Jean-Baptiste did not play in the blue-gold game?
2: You know, we didn't get a chance to ask about him because there's limited questions in the post-game. post, post game. Um, He was dressed. I mean, he was in uniform. My guess is maybe that something tightened up during warm-ups and so forth, um, you know, because, again, he wasn't in the... Pre-game injury list that we were given uh so that would that would be my guess um either that or he doesn't like rain
0: (laughs) yeah and i haven't i haven't done a lot of digging on it but i haven't heard of anything that was major has me any sort of major concern i think he was probably just banged up a little bit and there probably wasn't anything too serious otherwise we would have heard something more about it at this point Next question is from Marie Biaforia at Biafori underscore Marie. Can you comment on the safety board that is being recruited? Many of the safeties like Kennedy Erlacher are not highly ranked. Do you feel that ND is betting on potential with these kids or do you think they feel that they are incorrectly ranked or is this the best they can do at safety?
2: Um, as, a, as a group of where Notre Dame is with its recruitment, I think it's underwhelming, but there is some potential there. Uh, I think that, um, coach O'Leary has not been a consistent recruiter, uh, even though I don't blame him for the Peyton Bowen thing. I I look at recruiting since he's been the safeties coach and I'm, it's a little bit underwhelming. Uh, I like Urlacher, uh, but now you need to get some kids prove, um, committed with more proven production with higher floors. I think if they can add Dewan Lane to the class, I think that's a nice next step. Um, there's an, a nice prospect that Notre Dame is looking at, I won't name him, who needs to raise his academic profile if they're going to be able to get him in the class. He He's not committed. Um, and the portal is going to be part of this evolution moving forward. So, We'll have to throw that into the recruiting, too. I mean, I think not only do they need to get somebody from the portal this year, I think they're going to have to get somebody in the portal next year, depending on <clears throat> who leaves after this season, besides um, Harper, who's a nickel, and uh, DJ Brown. You know, Henderson and Watts are both academic seniors with with additional eligibility, but they could certainly choose to leave after this year.
0: Yeah, I think the things that Marie laid out, whether it's Notre Dame's betting on potential or they think that Notre Dame thinks that they're incorrectly ranked or is this the best they can do? I think it's a little of all of that. Honestly, I think certainly Notre Dame thinks these safeties are better than the rankings or ratings that rivals has given them. Um, But it also went Notre Dame also went after a number of higher ranked safeties earlier in widths whether there's Peyton Woodyard Mike Matthews KJ Boland Demelo Jones Tylen Singleton Corey and Gibson it's not like these guys that they're in be- in good shape with now were their first choices so that tells you that these aren't these aren't their first choices now they they may spin it differently like we love this kid all along we just wanted to see him develop and that's why we waited but I certainly they're they've fallen a bit short from their highest of hopes early on in the recruiting cycle um Dewan Lane who you mentioned is Notre Dame's best chance at a four-star recruit in the class he's in Notre Dame is in his top five currently he visited in April um, Davis Andrews is someone Notre Dame likes um but he's also a three-star athlete from Utah um I think I think Notre Dame's sort of answer in this cycle is going to be just throwing numbers at the staging position rather than sort of getting elite guys they're they're not they're not going to really sign anyone that that people would probably qualify as elite, um, in this cycle, um, and so we'll see if the recruiting industry has has sort of whiffed on these guys. And Notre Dame is, has a better better belief in or better measure of what these guys can actually do than than what they're being given credit for at this point. Next question is from Brian Farmer at Brian F eighty five how are we going to compete in the future? And is ND going to keep making ridiculous schedules? Is Notre Dame all about money and not winning national championships?
2: I I read that question this morning when I was <laughs> uncaffeinated and the caffeine has not helped it. So my answer <laughs> would be, I remember when I had my first beer.
0: <laughs> I think I ah. responded to Brian on Twitter and said, what did you have for lunch? <laughs> because It was like, wow, what is going on? That was that was intense and out of nowhere.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't even... I mean, I don't like questions that are that loaded. I mean, it's, that's got that much editorial in it. It doesn't give you anywhere, really, to go to answer it. And, you know, I disagree with some of the premises, so I, I think I'm just going to pass.
0: Yeah, I mean, to the second question, like, you can't win national championships without money. So you got to, like... There's a reason the SEC is so dominant and why they're gonna be continuing to be getting loads of cash poured into that, that conference. Um and so Notre Dame needs to be competitive financially with those those other top programs and if yeah, you wanna afford facilities,
2: if you wanna afford the best assistant coaches, if you don't want your staff poached, yeah, you have to have money.
0: Yeah. And uh if you wanna be independent, you have to find other ways to money then Than just being a part of the Big Ten or the SEC and getting millions thrown at you because you belong to those conferences. Um, In terms of compete, how how does Notre Dame compete in the future? Do you recruit at a high level and develop players? Um, I get the the scheduling. I think is maybe the thing that we could take the most seriously. Like maybe not in the way that it was framed by Brian, but is Notre Dame scheduling in the right manner? I think. I don't know that I would describe Notre Dame's schedule as ridiculous. I do think like a season with Ohio State, USC and Clemson is probably a bit much, but I mean, if you said that two seasons ago, USC wouldn't be included in that list as, as programs that you were worried about. Um, and then obviously in the future, you have the 12 team playoff coming. And so losing a couple games is not insurmountable um, as long as you have impressive wins on your resume. So uh, I, I don't know if that, <laughs> if that is a sufficient enough answer for Brian, but um, those are some of the thoughts I have on, on what he has posed for us. Next question is from Alan at Alan Sturgill. Any update on the NBC contract negotiations?
2: The best answer I can give you is they're ongoing. Um, you yep. know, there's, they don't usually give progress reports on, on so forth you know i I, the basic for people that don't follow it notre dame's contract with nbc runs through 2025 they're negotiating for a new media rights deal they would like to get money that helps them be in the ballpark of the big 10 and the sec and not the other power five conferences because if they if there is a huge money gap as we mentioned in a previous question then you have a harder time competing. And then maybe Notre Dame gets pushed into uh, joining a conference because they need that kind of money to be able to compete at the highest level. But right now they're ongoing, and uh, as soon as there's something to report, we certainly will.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything else to add to that. And our last question, which I feel was needed uh, after those previous two questions, Lighten up the mood here at One Foot Down. Would you rather own an eagle, a falcon, or a hawk?
2: Okay, I think I saw something about this on Twitter or at least like a little movie, but here's my question back, or here's my answer. Which one can iron shirts and clean the bathrooms? That's the one (laughs) I would pick. Um, if, If none of them can do that, I would say the eagle, so I wouldn't have to worry about it picking on my neighbors or their pets <laughs>
0: um my, so mine was more of a process of inf- it, it, elimination here i think eagles are too coveted everyone's about all the eagles I, I i'm not i'm not interested in um having an eagle um here in south bend there is a peregrine falcon restoration program <laughs> um which if you are uh a local and have watched local news or read local news you hear about the peregrine falcons pretty regularly so i feel like if i had one i'd get too many questions and too many media requests so i think i would have to uh i feel like that would take the enjoyment of having a falcon away so i went with a hawk i would be an owner of a hawk and uh we would just hang out and i'd let the hawk go fly around and get some food and i could say i had a hawk so I think that w- that wouldn't be too bad. I'm curious uh, what One Foot Down has to say about their um, bird, bird of prey preferences there. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Inside Indie Sports Podcast. If you don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other popular podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, give us a star rating, leave a review, and share our podcast feed with someone you know who has a pet bird. Um, that would probably they're going to love that Falcon, Hawk or Eagle conversation. So why wouldn't you suggest our podcast for them? Uh, thank you again to everyone who helped push us past 100 ratings on Apple podcasts. If you leave a review, we will try to read it on the show. We will be live on YouTube Thursday night for the latest edition of football. Never sleep. So check us out there. If you haven't already, I make uh, and, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel inside any sports. Uh, it's free. So please do us a favor and do that. Um, and if you're interested in our football, never sleep show, you can set reminders there. And we've also been putting the audio of that show um, in our podcast feed as well. Um, and we'll be back next week with another podcast because Eric's already working out on lining up a, a, a star studded guest. Um, but until then stick with InsideNDSports.com for all your Notre Dame coverage needs.